Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3, getting you on your way home. It is a delight to bring back to the show Bethany Mandel. She is the co-founder of Write Books for Kids, that's the number four, and the co-author of the best-selling book, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. I, um, I regret to say, Bethany, we have the kind of relationship, unfortunately, that uh, I tend to only call you in the midst of a burgeoning crisis. We've got to figure out a way to talk when things are calm. But thank you for joining us, as always, nonetheless. My pleasure. Um, unfortunately, this is my favorite thing to talk about because um, I... I, you know, there's just there's just not enough people, and this would not have been a problem 20 years ago or even the preceding 100 years before that, but there are not enough people that are writing about and concerned about the upbringing of our children, and this is weird. It, over the past 10 years, uh, it, it, something has happened here where the society that used to first and foremost look through every lens of public policy as how it will affect the children is now about adults trying to figure out how they can use children to satisfy themselves. That's what we've become over yep. the last 10 years. That's right. Yeah, no, it's how how can we manipulate children and childhood in order to advance our political goals, beliefs, aspirations, and the the actual well-being of childhood hood and, and of children comes absolutely dead last. Yeah. No, we will catastrophize the, them even to soothe adult anxieties, not just politics, but yeah. even adult, it's some yeah. kind of weird Munchausen by proxy. We're talking, obviously, about what we're about to undertake again with the masking debate. But that's what it's about. It's, you know, it's these, uh, as I often say, there would be no youth problems if there weren't adult problems. These are these, this the, the, the mental health problem we should be concerned about is the adult mental health problem because they're foisting yeah. them on the youth. Yep, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's pretty astounding that we're talking about masks in school settings once again. Yeah. Um, but, but we're not talking about them anywhere else. I'm not seeing, um, I, I saw one mention of masking being reinstated in an Ottawa hospital, but other than that, I'm not seeing it in healthcare settings. I'm not seeing it uh, in public, and I'm not. I'm not asking for it. I'm not asking. Uh, no, but it goes to the point. Again in it go, yeah, it goes to the point, right? So you, like me, were probably scratching your head for the last, I would say, maybe year or so, wondering if there was ever going to be any accountability, any apologies, mm-hmm. yeah. any mea culpas. Um, there was there was half of one from one physician at the Washington Post, Doctor Wen. Other than that, I saw yeah. none. And uh, is it Leanna Wen? And I um, yeah. and I and, and it turns out they were quiet and just waiting to pounce again. I guess. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it was actually pretty interesting because I saw. Um, on CNN, I think about a week ago, there was a, an interesting back and forth between uh, Anthony Fauci and the CNN anchor. Right. Um, I think it was yes, Smirconish. Yeah, that Mike Smirconish. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I saw it too. And and it was fascinating because can, Fauci conceded, yeah, well, you know, masks didn't really work at all on a population level, which is just a rehash of what he said in early 2020 exactly. um, before they decided to go all in on the masks. But I mean, I, I liken masking, especially children, I liken it to trying to keep your yard mosquito-free by putting up a chain-link fence. And 
It's, I would add to that. That's a wonderful analogy or metaphor. I would add to that, and with kids that aren't affected by mosquitoes. Right, right. And, who cannot? And, yeah, who, right. Who the mosquitoes don't who do hurt. not react. Right, right, right. Who right. Do not react. Right. We'll, we'll get um, to all yeah, of no, that. But, Let's. That, the Fauci thing is fascinating, though, because you're right. He did say, well, yes, he couldn't disagree with that. What is it? The Cochrane study, the Cochrane re- review. Yeah. But he did say, no, at the population level, they don't work so much. But at the individual level, they do. This means not – this is a meaningless distinction. I had a, yeah. Well, I had a friend the other day saying it's, it's – maybe it's analogous to going to Atlantic City or Las Vegas and saying, well, if you're thinking you're going to get wealthy on the slot machines, it's not going to work on a population level. But, you know, maybe one out of 99 <laughs> might get lucky once every 10 right, years. Right. Yeah. I mean – you can't do a study or a random controlled study on an individual basis. There is no science doesn't know this answer he's giving. I, I, by the way, I have to tell you, I love the family. I love the, I love the family background. I do. I, <laughs> you're I, I, you're I, always going to hear the kids uh, in the background. And, I, and we want it. We want it. How many you got now? <laughs> I know we're not supposed to count, but how many you got? <laughs> so in total or in the room with me? Uh, in, in toto. So in total, I have six, and my sixth is on the floor eating a cold quesadilla from lunch five hours later. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay, let's do talk about masks. Let's do talk about children, and let's talk about the psychology of all of this. First of all, um, for people to understand how COVID affected children, your observation is is, is very poignant. Why is this discussion not happening in offices? It's only happening about schools all over again. 70% more children die from drowning accidents each year than did from COVID. More children died from drug overdose or what I call poisonings every year than died in all three and a half years from COVID. We're not shutting down pools and beaches because of the drowning. We're not requiring swimming floating devices for children. And we're not closing schools for drug poisonings or requiring drug testing of children before they can attend school. What is it about COVID that is so privileged? I mean, it... I, I don't know is the answer. I, I, I think I faded. You faded out there, Bethany. I think you faded into us. Yeah. Can you hear me? We, we we lost you just for a second there. Yeah. Yeah. We lost you for a second. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that, Bethany? We kind of lost you there. No, it's fine. So I. Eek. Ah. Yeah, let me let me do this since we're, let me let me let me call you right back. We're going to call you right back if that's okay. Or should we just keep going? Yeah, fine. No, 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 no. Is there uh since we're taping where I'm just talking through it. Is there a slightly better cell area? It sounds like it might just be a bad cell patch that you're on. No, so I I keep on hearing a shrieking beeping noise. You do? Okay. That, let us call yeah. you, let us call you right back. We'll call you from a different line. Okay. All right, it'll be a different Okay. Number. No worries. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Yep. Bye. Bye. So, uh, Bethany, sorry about that. Bethany, um, we were asking you about this curiosity that there are so many other things that affect children so much worse. We do no kind of remediation, Mm -hmm. not with swimming and pools and drowning, not with drugs, not even with RSV inoculations. What is so privileged about COVID? I have been trying to figure out for a long time what what was different about COVID. And, And I... You know, I, I don't. I don't want to sound conspiratorial, but I am conspiratorial at this point. 
Um, because nothing, nothing else seems to make sense. I mean, we've always, as a society, been unable to make a rational risk assessment about children. And so, like, every year there's always hysteria about, like, leaving your kid in the car for five minutes when it's 75 degrees outside <laughs> to run into a store. But people don't care if your kid is completely unsafely installed in their car seat. Right. The, the risk assessment is totally off when it comes to kids, and it always has been. Um, but with COVID, I mean, it just became, I think that, okay, so this isn't conspiratorial, but a lot of the folks who became very COVID cautious do not, are not faithful in any way that is traditional. They, they're not Christians, they're not Jews, they're not Muslims. Yeah. And in, this was how they were able to signal their um, their virtue. They were able to signal, like, I am a good person. And so they did so by exercising the most COVID caution possible. And the population that you can inflict that upon against their will is only children. The only place that you can do that and, and people are sort of up a creek uh, are children. On the, in the short term, they were able to do it, you know, on planes and, and whatever. But in the long term, once we, get in, once we got into like late 2021 and into 2022 and now into 2023, the only people you can force this on are kids. That's an interesting point. Let me take a quick commercial break and pick up on that with you. Uh, it, such an interesting analogy to the religion. There's something about the elder population, too, that I want to ask you about when we come right back from the break. The funny thing about the children aspect, though, is if it's like a religion, it's it's like there's, there's this Salem-esque burning of witches for those that mm-hmm. don't follow. It's so weird. All right, we'll be right back yep. with Bethany. Thank you, Bethany. We'll be right back with Bethany Mandel. Follow her on Twitty, Twitter at Bethany Shondark, at Bethany Shondark. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Bethany Mandel is our guest. She is the co-author of the best-selling book, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. And we're talking about something she, like me and many in this audience, have been on and about since uh, really the outbreak of COVID back in 2020. And it's this uh, fetish with masks and this uh, abuse and um, of youth by the uh, by by the enforcement uh, schools are placing on with mask mandates our children and parents too bethany you were you were kind of ta- when we were talking about other risks to children in your really smart analysis of how we never have done great risk assessment with children at a population level to borrow from anthony fauci um it's it, it it you talk about this becoming almost a faith and i think you're right about that it's it's it, there is an equi- there is something to believe in and it is the repre- replacement of the traditional things people believe in that overcome usually their kinds of anxieties and covid was a weird thing that way wasn't it because it attacked not only the policies of covid and around covid not only attacked children the most dramatically, but some of the things that were first and most ardently closed were churches, synagogues, family gatherings, and 12-step meetings, all the traditional things you use to deal with those kinds of anxieties. Yeah, I mean, because they didn't see those things as having value. Exactly. Why? 
why would you need to go to a church? What's the point? Why would you risk someone's life to just go into a church or go into a synagogue or a mosque? Right. Um, but they don't, they don't seem to understand that what they are doing is a religion in itself. Right. They, they, they think that it's, you know, it's virtuous. And, you know, even I, I can speak more to the Jewish community than anywhere else because, you know, that's my faith tradition. Um, but we, we see this holier than thou stuff among Jews too. It's like, Skirt you know, measuring that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's like, yeah. you know, every, everyone wants to feel like they're better than their neighbor yeah. and that they are, they're more virtuous than their neighbor. Yeah. And so, you know, for Jews, we're able to do that skirt measuring. We're yeah. able to say, well, you know, I will only eat cheese that yeah. a Jew has watched from start to finish, <laughs> yeah, like Hello right. Israel. Like, but for, for the non-religious portion of society, they needed a new way to be better than their neighbor, and so this was this was what they settled upon. I'm just I'm just thinking this is probably the first time in all of Salem radio history Hall of Yisrael was put out over the airways. So, thank you, Bethany Mandel, for that. I love making news or history. Um, but I think you're right, and I think you're on to something. But there was something additional that needs to be said about this too. And I don't know if you observed this in your communities as well as I, as much as I did in mine. The elderly population, which truly was affected by the disease COVID, they were the least obsessed about it, and they were the least anxiety-ridden about it. I don't know if you saw that there. It was a weird thing. Most of the anxiety was poured into and onto the population least susceptible to having bad effects yes. from deleterious or baleful effects from COVID, and the population that was most dramatically affected by the virus seem to be the most casual of it. And I think because they have lived maybe through things, they have experienced things, and they've learned not to freak out over every little thing that comes over the airwaves. I think. I don't know. So I observe that to some extent, but I... I mean, where I live, everyone was psycho. I live in Montgomery County, Maryland. <laughs> you, you live among psychos. I know. I know. I know. I, know. I, I, I live in crazy town. I so, I mean, it's like, you know, h- how do you measure crazy? I, I will say that the craziest of the super crazy people um, were the, the folks in their, in their 20s and yeah, 30s. Right. And, and they were um, – and, and they're the ones that are still, you know, fast-forwarding now – do this latest surge, um, even here in Montgomery County, I'm not seeing that many masks, but, um, but the folks that I am seeing it on are in their, are in their thirties, I would say. Um, and it's, it's like it's too darn short to walk around, not seeing faces and to be scared. Um, that I think I think that's why the elderly population is like, yeah, no, I'm over this. Yeah. I think that might, must be the element of it. I do worry about the 20 to 50s, 20s to 60s population that walks around with masks the way they do. And I, and, and, and I got to tell you, again, I think it is a mental health issue in the adult population, yeah. but I, there is this weird political angle to it as well that I'm trying to wrap my arms around. I was asked by probably someone who's a mutual acquaintance of ours the other day, how is this playing out again as we get into election season? Yeah. It was clear to me during 2020 as Jane Fonda said, COVID was God's gift to the left. It was clear to me it was mm-hmm. weaponized as much as it could be about uh, over the Trump administration, which otherwise was coasting to a big victory. I don't know how it plays out now. I, I think it's 
I think it's at a deeper sociological political level that there's an investment in the left in things just sucking in America. They want things to suck. They yeah. want things to be yeah. bad. They want things to be always on the eve of destruction. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't know if where you are on that. I mean, I, I think it's that, but I think more than that, I, they're looking for an excuse to keep President Biden um, in the basement again. Okay. They have oh, to there you man go. At yeah. All costs. yeah, there you go. <laughs> and so... I, I think they're pushing this because, like, we we cannot have President Biden talking to people right, anymore right, leading right. up to the election. I mean, it's coming right on the heels of, like, I think the the, the, the numbers I saw were, like, 70 percent of Americans yep. think that, that Joe Biden is yep. too old. Yeah, 69 like, percent of Democrats bit. believe that. It's an incredible number. Yeah. 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 And it's funny. My my stepfather is always my barometer for like how much things have seeped, you know, past the politicos into the normal yeah. sphere. And he's 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 very liberal. And he went I, I remember very vividly having a conversation with him. And I said back in the, the first election, I said, you know, bro, bro is a couple fries short of a happy meal. And mm-hmm. you do realize that. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you watch too much Fox News. Uh-huh. That's not the case. Uh-huh. And now he says it to me unprompted. He's like, yeah. no, Joe Biden. I'm like, mm, yeah, fancy that, huh? And he like doesn't remember that I said that. You know, how many years ago? Well, years ago, you so. know, you could say the same thing about the handful of us that were awake, awake and aware of what was going on with COVID as early as the summer of mm-hmm. 2020. Um, the, sometimes the price for being right is appearing to be wrong at the time, and a lot of us paid that yep. price. Yeah, uh, I was I was saying yep. it in May of 2020. Uh, yeah, I, we we were writing the op-eds in May, as Heather MacDonald put it, and I think she may have been the first to write a national op-ed on this. Uh, she put it, everything we needed to know about COVID, we knew by May. We really did. For those yep. that understand yep. social That's science, correct. we really did. Is correct. Let me uh, keep you one more segment. Do you have one more in you, or do you got to run? I, I mean, you'll you, we're going to just play Russian roulette with with my six kids in the background. Well, we'll not Russian roulette, but, you know, something a, <laughs> well, know, a little maybe. less lethal, a little less lethal. <laughs> we do risk assessment here poorly. But children, we're not playing Russian roulette with Bethany Mandel, this great child health expert. She and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Bethany Mandel is our guest. She's the co-author of the bestseller, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. She is also the co-founder of Write Books for Kids. Uh, You can follow her on Twitter at Bethany Shondark. Bethany, there's some other thing I want to say about COVID children in schools um, and get your take on this. We're going to have mask mandates pretty clear and they started in montgomery county it looks like at least in 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 your county and we're gonna have vaccine mandates for college students that's already been established um the argument was that even if children are not that susceptible to covid they can transmit it to adults now again risk assessment we don't think of that with the rsv um uh with rsv and we don't inoculate kids for that, even though they can get it at school and pass it around to adults. But even if that's true, Bethany, when did and once the idea that we use children to protect adults, when did that happen? I mean, it reminds me of so many terrorist organizations that will put children in front of launching areas or perhaps the Basij minesweepers that the 
Iranians used to clear the mines for the adults before they rolled over with their tanks. It's a very sick society that even thinks to make that argument, it seems to me. The children will pay the price because they might pass it on to adults. Yeah, and it's funny because, especially when it comes to parents and teachers, I see people talking as if this was like an unknown side effect of, of children. Right. Oh, what what news? I can get sick from a child? Right. Wow. Right. I, like, that's a thing that was just, that was news in 2020. Like, no, if you have children or are near children all day, you're going to get sick. Right. And it's going to be not great. Uh, the number of stomach bugs that I've gotten from my kids, <laughs> the, I, I, like, I, I can't even count how many times we got pink eye over the spring that was brutal like the gifts of children just keep on coming yeah and that's that's part of being an adult yep. around children yep. and if that's if you're not on board for that then like children are not for you that's either right. don't have them or don't teach them but this idea that all of a sudden in 2020 we cannot allow children to like do their <laughs> the thing they're best at mm-hmm. and get adults sick like I'm sorry. It, this is a you problem. This is not. This is not a problem for kids. That's well put. It's a, it's a you problem. And um, and and I got to tell you, last thing, just in a couple minutes, I have left with you. The last people I want to hear from are the people in the White House right now. It took about four hours for Joe Biden to break the very protocol he himself. Yep. We were told by Karen Jean Pierre would be abiding. And when he was talking about masks as our patriotic duty, every time he did from that podium, he was mishandling it. I don't think anyone knows what they're doing or talking about with regard to masks. And by the way, the FDA website says something very different about masks than the CDC website. They really all need to go outside. Oh, yeah. I'll send you the language. But I I mean, yes. My only point is they really all need to go outside, maskless, have a conversation, and come back in and and give us the straight dope and quit confusing us because it, they are creating anxiety. Yeah, no, I mean, none of it none of it has ever made sense. the The masking recommendations have never made one ounce of sense. Good, and they are um, they are beclowning themselves if if they're going to keep on pretending that this is something that Americans are interested in, in rehashing. Like, oh, you know what I miss? I miss putting a dirty piece of cloth over my face. Mm-hmm. You know what I miss? I, it's funny. I, I, was, I was cleaning up my house the other day, and I found um, a bunch of, like, cloth fake masks that I had bought my kids so that they could participate in a pottery class. Yeah. And I, I threw them out. Good. This was, like, two weeks ago. I was like, oh, man, I'm so glad that I don't have to keep these on hand for anything ever again. And then they started rehashing all this mask yeah. stuff. I, there, there is no parent in America that's like, oh, yeah, I miss having one more thing to worry about. Well, As, right, I don't. Right that's where you and I may disagree. I think there are a lot of parents in America that want us to worry. I, that's, I, think, I think that's, that's really the problem. I then do. then they, can, they can continue. What, what's wild to me is that all of these people over the course of the last year like why do you care if i wear masks why do you get so hot so it's like because you inflict them on me as a condition of being a human being active in this world and now they're trying to inflict them on us again against our will and then they're going to fast forward again and and say well why do you get so mad about covid why do you get so mad about masks (laughs) as if we have like the memory of a gnat i'm like 
remember very clearly why I hate math <laughs> and why I hate you. <laughs> Arthur Miller, just read the Crucible. Your your religion analogy. That's yes, yes. You can do your religion. I'll do mine. But don't tell me I have to convert to live among you. Bethany Mandel, you're the best. Thank you. <laughs> All right, go get him. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson show, moving him from north to west. We have Mr. Bill in studio with us. You were listening to the Bethany Mandel interview on COVID, and you wanted to make a point uh, on our culture with a local flavor, you said? Yes. Um, I think it's a good indicator of where we currently are with the Wuhan virus as far as fear level or you know it jumping the shark, whatever yeah. you might call it. Uh, Metallica was scheduled to be here on Sunday night for the second of their two shows in the Phoenix area. Show got canceled because frontman James Hetfield tested positive for the Wuhan virus. Okay. So you might think, oh my, how how long was the, uh, does this put the rest of the tour in doubt? Or how long is this postponement? <laughs> right. Might he, die? he's in his 60s, yeah. he could die? They postponed it six days. They'll be playing this Saturday night. <laughs> All right. So you deduce from this what? That uh, apparently it's not uh, so much of a concern anymore, it, not just individually, but what we're going to do as a group, as a whole about do you, do you it. Do you think it's going to hold that way? Do you really think it's going to last that way? Oh, that's interesting. So you think they'll postpone it again? And no, say that, well, no. This may be a, a, a one-off, and I think it's going to be looked at. My prediction is going to be looked at. This was the irresponsible way to handle it. Oh, Next right. time someone is sick, we're going to be doing what we did for concerts here in the waning days of COVID in 2022 or whatever, where we have to prove vaccination status before mm. you can go in with the seventh booth booster. And if not vaccinated, taking a rapid test before you go in, but possibly two. Well, that's sure my, that's where I'm guessing. Yeah. And I'm not so sure in six days you're not going to see that with the Hetfield con- with the Metallica concert. Mm. You think I'm over, over overly concerned here? It may become more of a, a red state, blue state thing again, where though you know California and those states are already trying to do the masks in schools and you know bring that back and everything. So, well, let me just but, point but out not here. Well, maybe not here. really, we have a blue mayor, a blue governor, a blue uh, attorney right. general. The only red we got is in the superintendent's office and in the treasurer's office. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the schools will be better off than concert venues. Maybe. Hope given, so. Given, you know, the the perch Tom Horn holds. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, were you planning to go to the concert? You are now. <laughs> you are now. If an opportunity presents itself. Okay, good. Thank you. Anything else to share? Nothing further. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. What did you learn this week, Bill? Hey, Bill. Um, David, you went to. I want to pick up on a theme of of Bethany's. Sure. Uh, with the with the analogy she made to um, the religious adherence or fealty to some of these mitigation strategies, you were you went to a uh, religious college, if mm-hmm. that's fair to say, for a few years. Yep. <laughs> did you notice a marked difference? Because it was a real religion, not you know panic religion you know <laughs> uh did you notice that they did things a little bit differently than elsewhere a little more calmly or was it as bad as anywhere else no I, I i in fact well uh it's no secret the religious institution i went to was in california in the uh, oh, 2020s and okay. so I, I noticed a marked change um from like 2018 2019 attitudes yeah. to 2019 2020 attitudes yeah. uh, almost overnight and especially you know 
wrapped around the, the George Floyd protests of June 2020. Sure. It was just a, a remarkable uh, social change Lurch. that really yeah. uh, encouraged me to, to get out while the going was good, as they say. Okay, but then <laughs> you came here reasons. to yes. Yeah. But then you came here and went to a I, religious college. I came college. here and went to another religious college. And yep. was it better? <laughs> Oh, yeah, very much. So it might be the red state, blue state it's, thing. It's yeah, the yeah. politics is more important than the religion, evidently. I, I mean, I not, so. not, not yeah, to yeah, us, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think in, 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 in much of society, it is looked at that way. I think people are far more political than they are religious. In fact, there's probably a correlation. There's probably a correlation on the left. That the less religious you are, the more political you are. There probably is. I would probably agree with and you. And that's yes, what yes. so shocked them on the left when conservatives of religion started getting involved in politics <laughs> in the 70s, whether it was I, – th- I think this Jerry was Falwell, a bit – like Yeah, that, the yeah. moral majority and, um, and, and then ultimately the Christian coalition. People were freaked out by it. People were freaked out by it because the right was waking up to what the left was doing. That's what they would <laughs> – Exactly. That's, they were exactly. freaked out by it. And it took some reminding, and I don't think it still has sunk in, that, in fact, the best of our good social movements did come out of the church, frankly. In America, at least, the the emancipation effort came out of— I think the best social movements of all history have come out of the church. Okay, fair enough. You're a a much better world historian than I. I was just thinking through American history. But you're right, Wilberforce, for certain, in England Mm -hmm. and uh, here— uh, the emancipation movement, certainly the whole civil rights movement of the 1960s would have been nothing without all those reverends involved, right? Fred Rogers on daytime television, an ordained minister. Okay, I'm glad you reminded the audience of that. That was, uh, that was a, That's a huge point, and what's interesting about that is he was an ordained minister, Presbyterian, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and uh, from Latrobe, maybe, Pennsylvania. And when he was ordained, do you know what his instruction was? No, I don't know. It was to preach using the mass media. Hmm. And he saw his Mr. Rogers neighborhood Took his opportunity. Yeah, he saw it as a a, 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 a series uh, yeah. yes, a series of symbolic efforts at ministry, including the phrase neighborhood, you know? Uh, treat your neighbor as yourself, but also the land. What was it called? The land of make believe. I think it was. I don't know. Yeah, he yeah, said like this that, was yeah. his little vision of he- heaven, and um, and this was a show about the protection of children, where real religion cared about children. It does. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Not this nonsensical panic mode of psychosomatic and psychological and anxiety ridden fear over COVID, which uses children and abuses children rather than tries to protect them. You mentioned the uh, historical allegories. I don't know about you, but when I look back, the only civilizations that I know of that have sacrificed their children in the name of societal religion are not sticking around today. Well, that's right, because there is that famous line about the French Revolution, um, like Saturn, every revolution eats its own children, and Saturn was the Roman god who ate his children, because why? He was afraid of them, Thank right? you. Yes. Exactly, exactly. He was afraid of them. Good. I'm catching on to the stories. Yeah. <laughs> You're, did you not know that before you knew me? Uh, no, I did know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, but the Fred Rogers thing is fascinating because that was the whole effort of the 60s, even Sesame Street, the 70s, 
uh, even the Free to Be You and Me stuff that Marlo Thomas was doing, the Children's Defense Fund. In that 10-year period, this this society understood what it meant to protect children. And by the way, not just protect them and think that their health, psychological as well as physical, mattered, but also to give them a sense of security in their bodies. That was the big free-to-be-you-and-me effort and the Sesame Street effort and the Fred Rogers effort and the Children's Defense Fund effort that, you know, no matter how you're born or what way you're born, you're going to be just fine and it is just fine. And go listen to the free-to-be-you-and-me album. Only, only, Only girls can become mommies and grandmothers and only boys can become daddies and grandfathers. It's the duet with um, Harry Belafonte, isn't it? Yes. Well, Mr. Bill, it's nice having you at the microphone. Thank you, Seth. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Y-Refi. It's a heck of a great investment, particularly if you're concerned about stock market volatility or inflation, because it's an investment in a portfolio, a collateralized and secure portfolio that is not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with Y-Refi, 10.25%. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, and there are no fees in this investment, in this portfolio. Um, No reduction or attack on principle if you ever need your money back. And you get a monthly statement, of course, with no surprises. Check them out at investyrefi.com, the word invest, the letter Y. REFY.com or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. That's 888-YREFI24. And in all my conversations with Bethany Mandel, I don't think we ever broached or I ever heard her speak to it in the uh with the with the with the concept that she raised uh earlier this hour about this becoming a, a theology, this 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 panic and anxiety around COVID becoming a theology, but it did put me in mind, and a theology that replaces the traditional ones. It put me in mind of a of something Leo Strauss wrote: the reading of the morning paper. Let me try that again. The mean. <laughs> Why can't I talk? The reading of the morning prayer has been replaced by the reading of the morning paper. Not every day the same thing, the same reminder of man's absolute duty and exalted destiny, but every day something new with no reminder of duty and exalted destiny, specialization, knowing more and more about less and less, the practical impossibility of concentration upon the very few essential things upon which man's wholeness entirely depends, the specialization compensated by sham universality by the stimulation of all kinds of interests and curiosities without true passion, the danger of universal philistinism and creeping conformism. Boy, doesn't that describe what Bethany was talking about. Universal philistinism and creeping conformism. Well, as another philosopher once said, don't cosmologize your deficiencies. And that's what I am really hoping the panic crowd, team fear, I hope they learn not to do it again this time. It seems that our resistance 
towards it is going to need to be risen, though, arised once again. Thank you all for being with us uh, this uh, this Thursday afternoon. I don't know why my speech is falling apart at the end of the day. We have a whole other day to go tomorrow. So until tomorrow, God bless you all, David and Bill. Thank you. Class is dismissed. <laughs>